Matthew 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. It's a good word there. Last week, after second service, time to go to lunch. David was going to pick because it was his birthday. And so David chose for us to leave church and go to Liberty Burger. Good choice, good choice. We got there on Keller Springs, sat down, and before we ordered, I, I said, you know, David, this is your birthday. We could have gone to a Brazilian steakhouse today. He thought about it. You know, these places, if you don't know, it's a temple of meat. I mean, it is all you can eat, and it is the good stuff. It's also kind of expensive. And so I turned to him. I said, yeah, you could have chosen a Brazilian steakhouse today. In fact, we have not ordered yet. We could get up, go to the car, drive to Addison, get us some Brazilian steakhouse lunch right now. And he looked at me, and I was impressed with his wisdom. He said, I'm not prepared. Now, I know what this means, and some of you know what this means. We have some rules in the Dabs family. If you're going to go to a Brazilian steakhouse, which doesn't happen very often, special occasion place, you need to be really hungry. Like we skip at least a meal Maybe two meals leading up to the Brazil. There's a lot of other rules I could share with you, but I won't do that in the sermon as well. Don't waste your time on the salad bar, on the cheese bread. You want to, you know, you want to be really hungry for the good stuff. And so I was impressed with my son's wisdom. Not today. I am not prepared. Sometimes, sometimes it's good to be hungry. Jesus says, blessed, happy are the hungry, which at first glance is, a, is an interesting and odd statement. Hunger is not usually a good thing. I mean, world hunger, that's a problem to be solved, not something to be celebrated. Appetites are generally those things which we need to quench. Um, and none of us this morning, none of us is hungry, at least Bear with me. Not hungry like the people who heard Jesus. Oh, they knew hunger. Those crowds gathered on the Mount of the Beatitudes there by the Sea of Galilee. They, they knew real hunger. Uh, most of them were unaccustomed to a feeling that we are accustomed to, which is a full stomach. Uh, they wouldn't have known generally what that is, just maybe time to time. Their norm, their norm was hunger pangs. Um, and so when it comes to eating, our questions today, you and I, our questions tend to be, where are we going to go to lunch? Am I going to get the chicken or the fish uh, or the beef? Uh, can I see the dessert menu? Do they have free refills? Those are the kind of questions we tend to ask. Their kinds of questions were like, I wonder if my kids are going to eat today. I wonder if we're going to get more than just a few scraps of bread, maybe a piece of fish. Uh, those were the kind of questions that they had. Um, by the way, I've told you a little bit about my dad and his growing up. I haven't shared this story with you before. So my dad grew up poor, really poor in the Ozarks, Splitlog, Missouri. Think cabin in the woods, 
Mm -hmm. Think no indoor plumbing. Think loads of kids and very little income. Did grandpa shoot a squirrel? Are we going to have protein today or not? That was kind of their life. Anyway, my, one of my dad's older brothers was Eugene. Eugene Dabbs was a sickly boy. And he was month after month wasting away. There was something wrong. And finally, my grandma, Edith, decided to take Eugene into town, Anderson, Missouri, and have him checked out by a doctor. And after that doctor performed the examination, he turned to Edith, my grandma, and he said, Eugene is starving to death. You've got to find a way to get some more calories in that boy. She took money she really didn't have, and before returning home, she bought a big sack of the cheapest grain she could find. My dad could tell you what it was. I forgot. But she was going to supplement, just add more calories into his diet. And sure enough, that kid turned around, got bigger and stronger. His complexion got better. Um, so yeah, hunger, um, not usually something that we celebrate. And it got then the attention of the multitudes when Jesus, again, in this opening salvo of the Sermon on the Mount, he turns to the crowds and he says, there's a time when it's a blessing to be hungry. There's a time when the person who is hungry is the happy person. Situations flip that around where if you are satisfied, if you are feeling full, you are not blessed. You are not happy. Of course, it matters, and it matters a lot for what are you hungry where are your appetites? That matters a great deal. Uh, I remember a date night. This has been years ago. David was little enough to still sit in a high chair when he ate. And he was probably two, three, Claudia, five, six. And we were going out on a date night. Had one of our good friends come over to watch the kids. And a mini crisis happened while we were out with the babysitter, Deborah. She told us about it when we got home. But she had for, di for the kids' dinner... She had fixed them chicken nuggets. You talk about a universal food all kids hunger for, chicken nuggets. So she put them in the toaster oven. She put those nuggets on the plates with some veggies for David, for Claudia. And she said, do you guys need anything? And David said, well, yes, I need some ketchup. Could you please give me some ketchup? And so Deborah went to the refrigerator and, and gave it an up and down inside the, the door and inside the refrigerator. Didn't see ketchup. Went into our cabinets and was looking around at places you would find a new bottle of ketchup. Didn't find ketchup. Told David, I'm sorry, buddy. It looks like we don't have any ketchup. He said, look again. I know we have some. And so she looked again. Same result. No ketchup. She said, I'm sorry. Again, I can't find any ketchup. And that's when my three-year-old boy turned into an orator, a junior JFK, with passion, with righteous indignation. He told her, we have to have ketchup. People need ketchup. 
And she said, I had to leave the kitchen. She said, I just had to go somewhere where I could laugh and not make him angry. She said, it was so funny. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you're hungry for. David was hungry for ketchup. You're hungry for something. Jesus says, you are a blessed person. If what you are hungry for is the kingdom, is the character of God, then you're happy. By the way, we had ketchup. Some of you may remember, uh, this is a little aside, Heinz went through this phase where they had the easy squirt bottles and they had colored ketchups, purple, green, weird colors for kids. I don't know why they did this, but we had some purple ketchup in the refrigerator. So we had a bottle of that and so it was there right in front of her. She did, it just didn't look like a ketchup bottle. But we all hunger and thirst. It is the human condition. We don't all hunger and thirst for the same things. You know that. Um, so it's good to be hungry if it's a craving to be more like the Lord. A hunger for righteousness. A couple of weeks ago, my buddy Jeremy and I had breakfast together over in Watauga, over near Fort Worth. And he told me a little bit of his story. I knew bits and pieces, but I said, tell me about this. Because Jeremy had been a meth addict for years. had been free of that probably for the last 10, 15 years. But he said, uh, yeah. And so we talked, we talked. And then I said, hey, send me a note. Uh, just kind of tell me your story. I want to share that at church. In fact, he's going to be at second service today. Uh, so I'll just share with you what he wrote. He said, well, I wouldn't say God ever really took the hunger away, but I'll say this. God knows that I'm wired to have fun, and he spoiled that fun for me when I invited him into my life. Many people I knew involved in the drug game either died or got arrested within a few months of when I got serious about Christ, so it scared him. He wrote, God is a jealous God, and he wanted us to have fun together. He didn't want me to make meth my God, so he ultimately sucked the fun out of the drug, and I couldn't enjoy it anymore. Looking back 10 years later, clean and sober, I can see what he was doing. By the way, he was clear his hunger for meth didn't disappear overnight. Um, after giving his life to Christ, uh, for a while he says, quote, he says, people, <laughs> he said, people were laughing at me because I had a Bible in one hand and a meth pipe in the other. For two years, my drug dealer called me Sunday school because I couldn't stop preaching to him while I was buying drugs from him and getting high. But in the end, God made sin lose its flavor. He changed my spiritual taste buds for what was good. And I am so thankful for that. Because now I get to be a dad. Now I get to have fun. And now I'm not going to take an early grave. So we have hungers. You know that. Some of them are good and godly hunger. Some of them destructive, relationally destructive, spiritually destructive, physically destructive hungers. We are hungry creatures. 
So what are you hungry for? What do you thirst for? Some of us hunger for affirmation and applause. We need to be thanked. We need to be seen. We need to be recognized. We need to be respected. It drives us. We're thirsty for that. Some of us burn through relationships. We're hungry for something. Maybe we can't put our finger on it. And so it's girlfriend after girlfriend, boyfriend, husband after whatever. We're looking for something. Some of us are money hungry. Some of us are pleasure addicts. Some of us are workaholics. We've got a hunger. We're trying to satisfy it. Hunger is a good thing sometimes. Sometimes. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Jesus, you remember this? Before he started his ministry, right after his baptism, before he started healing and teaching and preaching the good news of the kingdom, before any of that, remember he went out in the desert to fast. Denied himself food for 40 days. Why would he do that? What was that exercise all about? He had other appetites. You know this. Jesus was human. And he was letting all of his other appetites know they weren't in the driver's seat. His hunger for God was greater than his hunger for anything else. He was God hungry. So the problem with pursuing, and I bet a lot of us just know this from personal experience, the problem with pursuing unrestrained uh, these other appetites is they don't go away. Well, Jerry Seinfeld has a bit about ruining your appetite. He said, how can you ruin it? I know a thousand are coming right behind this one. They don't go away. And they come back stronger, right? They come back stronger. And every time we lean into those appetites, we are less and less satisfied, right? Stronger appetites, less and less satisfaction. Nothing satisfies like the Lord, the one who made us, the one who designed us to find satisfaction in him. We were made in his image, and it's good to be hungry and thirsty for more of him. It's interesting, isn't it, that Jesus didn't stand before the crowds. It would have made sense if he had said this, but he didn't get up in front of them and say, blessed are those who are full of righteousness. No. The blessing is in those who are hungry. Last week, it was in those who are poor in spirit. Those who know they are famished. Those who know they're, they're so distant from this filling with God, they are blessed. According to Jesus, flip that around. If someone isn't hungry for God, if someone is, let's say, disinterested in righteousness, that person is not blessed. That person is not happy. 
If there is no desire, no hunger for righteousness, then we are not living our best life. Okay? Why? Because if you're not hungry for God, if you're not hungry for the things of God, then you will not grow in the image of God. I was thinking about this. this I don't know if this works or not. It works for me, so I'll share it with you. I was thinking about this. Uh, some of you have studied a foreign language. Some of you may have mastered a foreign, maybe more than one foreign language. Uh, and the thing I was thinking about is, which is easier? Which goes quicker? Do you learn that German or that Spanish more quickly stateside? You know, with your Duolingo app on your phone or, or a class at the community college or something like that. Do you learn it quicker here in the States? Or do you grow exponentially in that language when you move overseas or spend a significant amount of time in that country where they speak that language? Look, it is one thing to dabble in a language. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be nice to speak Spanish or to learn Mandarin. I, I think I'll start working on that. <laughs> but when you are there, it's very different. When you're in Shanghai and you're not going to eat unless you know how to order your food, it's different. You need to speak Mandarin. If you want to start a friendship, or you want to go shopping, or, or you want to find out where the nearest metro station is, you're going to need to communicate in Mandarin. That's when you pursue it differently. That's when you are hungry for it. And that's when you grow in it. I'll tell you that from personal experience. Uh, you'll be thrilled when you get to talk about the weather with somebody and they actually understand what you're saying. You'll be thrilled when, when you order something and they understand what you're ordering until you want it so much, until you hunger for it. It will be elusive. And so it is with the righteousness of God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they'll be satisfied. The dabbler, not so much. The student of religion, the casual churchgoer, uh, picking around on the appetizer platter, they're not going to be satisfied. They're not hungry enough. Hunger is, for Jesus, think about it, it is a precondition to spiritual growth. It is a precondition for blessing. Blessed are the hungry. If you crave for the righteousness of God, he will provide it. If you don't, you miss out. So when it comes to the kingdom of God, this is the great irony of this sermon. When it comes to the kingdom of God, it is, it's better to show up empty rather than full. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the hungry and thirsty. Why? Because without hunger pangs for God, folks have little interest in him. Over the years, I've gotten to talk to a lot of people, different kinds of people, young people, old people, people here in the U.S., people in Brazil. And I've gotten to know a lot of people 
have this sense that there is something missing. They're hungry for something, right? And there's something missing in their life. Uh, They either don't have enough of something. They don't have enough money. I don't have enough education. They don't have enough health. They don't have enough husband or enough wife. They don't have enough boyfriend, girlfriend. Enough of something, fill in the blank. They either don't have enough of something or they feel like they're, they're not doing enough. If I could just do more, if, if I would have done X, Y, or Z, everything would have turned out differently. Truth is only God satisfies. And that is a message Jesus preached through his whole life. Only God. By the way, Jesus quoted Isaiah all the time. I, had to, I have to think he maybe was considering this passage from Isaiah 55 when he said that word about hungering and thirsting. Isaiah 55, God says this to people. He says, come, every, I love this open invitation, come, everyone who thirsts, Come to the waters, and he who has no money, listen to this, he who has no money, come buy and eat. How does that work? Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money? This is a great question to ponder this week. Why do you invest in? Why do you seek? Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And you labor for that which does not satisfy. What's up with that? He says, listen diligent to me and eat what is good. Delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear. Come to me. Hear that your soul may live. What God is offering is incredible. So how do we handle our old appetites that we've been feeding for years and years? They're only getting stronger. We're only growing less satisfied. What do we do with those? We starve them and we lean into a different hunger. There's a biblical word for this. It is, it is repentance. Right? Repentance. Acts chapter 3, 19. I was just sitting over there. I thought of this verse this morning. I love this. It says, repent then. Repent that. Just turn Turn around, repent then, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. And that's not all. And that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. We starve those old appetites and we lean into this new hunger for God. Um, my, buddy, my buddy Jeremy is living proof that old hungers can diminish. Their voices can get quieter as they relinquish their control over us. Repentance is this act of recognition. Hey, what I've been doing, it hadn't been working. Uh, it's not pleasing to God. My old habits aren't in line with his righteousness, not making me a better person, certainly not blessing me, blessing my family, blessing my relationships. So repentance is not simply turning away from the old, it's turning into the new. It's turning into God. And the more we feed on God, on his word, 
on holy relationships, on habits that glorify him, behaviors that glorify him, the more we begin to hunger for his reign, for his kingdom. By the way, you may be thinking, hey, wait a second here, Gordon. I mean, um, we can't make ourselves righteous, right? I mean, you talk about this a lot. We can't like climb the ladder up to God on our own, right? Yeah, exactly. Righteousness is always a blessing that's received before it's a behavior that's realized. It is a gift of God. That's the good news. That's the gospel. Sanctification, justification, justification is he makes you right. He imparts the righteousness of Jesus to you and then through the power of the Spirit you get to grow up into that gift. I mean, you can give your daughter, she may be six years old, you can give her your wedding dress. Someday I want you to wear this at your wedding. It's hers, but it's not going to fit for a while. She's got to grow up into that. We've received the righteousness of Christ. Now we grow up into the righteousness of Christ. It's always a blessing that's received before it's a behavior that's realized. Isaiah says that what comes from God is something we get without money, without price. Verse 1, Isaiah 55. It satisfies like nothing else, verse 2. And verse 3, it leads us to life. So let's bow our heads. We're going to pray as we finish our time this morning. Lord Jesus We ask you today, give us your hunger for righteousness. Will you cause us to thirst for your kingdom, for your reign? Not just in some abstract, your reign in the world, your righteousness in America, but your reign in our hearts, in our minds, in our attitudes, in our behaviors. May we hunger for that and we confess we aren't hungry enough. We need you to constantly whet our appetites for more of you, for more of the Father. And you promised us, these are your words, that if we're hungry for righteousness, we will be satisfied. We thank you that we have a righteousness not of our own. We have your righteousness gifted, graced to us at the cross of Calvary. And we thank you for that. The greatest, the greatest gift that any of us could ever hope to receive. Thank you, thank you. Now Jesus, help us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Help us to grow up into that gift to become more and more like you. We ask all of this in your name. Amen.